The Madison Spirit, Voyage 38 East, SS President Madison, R.J. Healy, Master, Friday, September 30th, 1932. We are reprinting a letter received from the passengers of the President Madison, Voyage 38 East, which is done for the benefit of the officers and crew involved in the rescue of the survivors of the SS Nevada. This is being done at their request. Mr. A.F. Haynes, Vice President, American Mail Line, Seattle, Washington. Dear Mr. Haynes, We, the undersigned, who comprise the entire list of first and special class passengers of the SS President Madison, who were aboard on the occasion when this vessel effected a rescue of the survivors of the wrecked freighter Nevada of the State Steamship Company on September 29, 1932, at Amatakniak Island. One of the Aleutian group wished to take this opportunity to express our ununanimous view that the rescue was effected under such difficult and dangerous circumstances that the fact does great credit to the master, the officers, and the men of the SS President Madison. We regard the exploit as extraordinary and desire that these men should know our feelings and appreciation for the acts of skilled seamanship and exceptional heroism without which this rescue could not have been accomplished. These circumstances have left with us a deep impression of respect and confidence for the master, the officers and men of this passenger steamship. We wish here to draw attention to those circumstances which, in our opinion, mark this feat as especially meritorious. The rescue of the survivors of the freighter Nevada was only made possible by the skill and seamanship exhibited by Captain R.J. Healy, master of the SS President Madison. After intercepting the distress signal of the Nevada, which gave the unfortunate freighter's bearings, the only wireless message received from that ship. Captain Healy, remaining on the bridge for 36 hours, steered a course remarkably direct to Amatignac Island, navigating a ship to within a distance from which observation could be made of the general condition of the wrecked ship. He took adequate precautions to avoid the hazards presented by concealed and uncharted reefs and submerged rock pinnacles known to exist there. The modesty with which he seeks to give all the credit for the rescue to officers and men only serves to reflect great credit upon himself. Our opinion, evidently, being shared by the sailors who, after the rescue, were heard to make respectful reference to the old man on the bridge. Shortly after noon on the 29th, two lifeboats, one in tow by the motor-driven boat, the latter commanded by W.M.C. Wallace, junior officer, with J.R. Geisler, first assistant engineering in charge of the engine, the boats being under the command of E.J. Stull, third officer, put off from the SS President Madison in order to attempt the rescue of survivors of the wrecked Nevada. They returned four hours later. Nineteen men in all composed the crews of the two lifeboats. These having been chosen from among volunteers, those manning the boats being, I apologize if I mispronounce anybody's name, I'll do the best I can, John Davis, A.B., E. Bloomberg, A.B., M. Canalonga, A.B., Joe Wales, A.B., Joe Hart, A.B., M. Mickelson, O.S., L. Aksutik, Boatson, C.H. Richardson, Carpenter, and E.J. Stull, third officer, in command, these in the towed lifeboat, and Alex Ingman, A.B., Geo Thewson, Jr., A.B., O. Watson, A.B., A.V. Lancaster, Q.M., 
Geo Gibson, boatswain mate, J.R. Geisler, first assistant engineer, Bill Fulkerson, machinist, and W.M.C. Wallace, junior officer, in command of the motorboat. These men had full previous knowledge of certain of the dangers involved, weather hazards in an open boat, dangers presented by submerged rocks and reefs, a surf beaten offshore, a strong current in the vicinity of the wrecked freighter, pieces of wreckage and logs being tossed about by the waves, enmeshed masses of floating kelp, weed particularly dangerous to a motorboat, and a rocky foreshore making it extremely doubtful if any landing might be affected without capsizing the lifeboats, much dependent on whether the engine in the motorboat continued to run properly. After proceeding to the wreck and finding that the Nevada had been dashed in two on the rocks, the superstructure laying a half mile off the structure and after asserting that there were no signs of life on the wreckage, three survivors were sighted on the beach. In spite of a high surf breaking, drifting kelp, and dangerous submerged rocks, a high swell prevented from breaking only by the oil slick on the water, these hazards being increased by a strong current, an unsuccessful attempt was made to anchor the motorboat and to back the lifeboat stern first shoreward. A second attempt to anchor closer inshore failed. Mr. Wallace courageously volunteered to take the motorboat alone closer in and try to float a bow line ashore. The third officer, however, considered this to be too hazardous and not feasible. Finally, after two hours or more of unsuccessful attempts to get the lifeboats near shore without capsizing them, an attempt to row in to about a hundred yards offshore and to anchor there succeeded. After unsuccessful attempts to get a bow line ashore, E. Bloomberg, who had stripped his clothing, went overboard in the cold water with a life belt and a bow line fastened to him. He swam to the rocks through the surf. It does not detract from his act of heroism to record that nearly every member of the boat's crew likewise volunteered to make the attempt to swim ashore. Bloomberg, careless of his own life, knowing that he stood a chance to be dashed against the rocks by the breakers, nevertheless successfully swam ashore with the bow line, thus enabling the three castaways ashore to be hauled out to the lifeboat by the line. The crew then rowed out to the motorboat, which took it in tow to the ship with the rescued men aboard. The rescue would not have been possible but for the efficient handling of the motorboat and its engine. It is evident, therefore, that except for the daring act of heroism accomplished by E. Bloomberg, who swam ashore under the most perilous circumstances, the officers and men of both lifeboats each should share alike the credit for this extraordinary feat of rescuing the three survivors of the unfortunate freighter Nevada. Except for their timely rescue, these men would probably have been unable to endure much longer the combined hardships of exhaustion, long exposure in the cold water, and on the unsheltered beach and hunger. Captain Healy, who might be expected to be the first to recognize the service of a fellow man of the sea, pays high tribute to the role played by the Japanese captain of the Oregon Maru, a freighter of the Yamashita Steamship Company who also picked up the distress signal of the Nevada. Altering her course, the Oregon Maru proceeded to the Amatignac Island. On September 28th, the day after the wreck of the Nevada, this Japanese vessel attempted to rescue the survivors. The attempt failed, however, since the vessel had no motorboat and a lifeboat, which was sent out manned with 10 Japanese sailors, capsized and was lost. The crew being saved, however, in spite of the injuries of the three of them. Great credit, therefore, is due to the Oregon Maru and its master who continued to communicate with the SS President Madison by wireless. 
When the fog lifted off Amatignac Island the morning of the 29th, the Oregon Maru steered a course toward the wreck Nevada, thus assisting the master of the President Madison to get close and safely. Throughout this episode, the captain of the Oregon Maru displayed a fine brand of seamanship in facilitating the rescue of the survivors of the Nevada. No tribute would be complete, which neglected to mention the fine spirit of the men of the SS President Madison who accomplished this feat. The whole thing was accomplished in such an apparently unconcerned, fact manner that it was difficult to realize the dangers in which each knew to be in wait for him. When the lifeboats eventually returned, the sailors' accounts of what had transpired were devoid of self-praise but replete with modesty. To have experienced this exhibition of personal courage, true heroism, and skilled teamwork in the face of great hazards was to take a powerful antidote against the prevalent malady depression and below would be signatures of the passengers.